Hey everyone, and welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with Nicole Van Quatham. This podcast shares helpful tips, real stories, and honest conversations about holistic nutrition, natural living, movement, and everything in between to help you uplevel your health, life, and mindset. The goal of this podcast is to help individuals realize that with simple changes, they too can live a happier, healthier, and more balanced life. I'm your host, Nicole Van Quatham, holistic nutritionist and owner of Simply Nick Nutrition. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the lovely Catherine Ducey on the podcast. Catherine is a coach and a healer. She shares her story growing up and talks about the trauma that she experienced and how that impacted her life into adulthood. And she also talks about trauma in general and how there's different levels of trauma and things that you might not have thought impacted or were traumatic growing up can actually impact your life today. So she provides some really great insight into that. And she also talks about some of the stuff that she does with her clients and even how she got into the business of coaching. So things like manifestation and creating a really powerful morning routine and how that can maybe look for you. She is just such a wealth of knowledge and information and is just really open and honest about her experiences and the work that she does. So I know you'll enjoy this episode with her and let me know what you think and we'll catch you on the other side. Today I have Catherine Doucet. Am I saying that correctly? Doucet. Doucet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My background Ducey. is French, okay. so it's all good. Lot, <laughs> yes, so I'm it's, just Doucet on Paris. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. So if you don't mind starting off just introducing yourself and what it is that you are currently doing, I know that you're a coach, but you can share a little bit about that and even what led you to, I know it's like a really loaded question, but what led you to, you know, where you are today and, and your entrepreneurial journey? Mm, okay. So I'll break that down. Yeah. Um, first of all, the first question was, what do I do today? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I identify as a coach, but I also identify as a healer. So I help people navigate childhood trauma and uncover what are the things that happened when they were kids? What did they make those things mean? And how did that become their identity? And how is that showing up in their lives today and holding them back from being, you know, their self-expressed, self-actualized self? And so I have this ability to listen for people's trauma and get to, I hold space for people to share their truth. And then once they get that all out there, I also have the ability to have them navigate or turn that into their calling. So whether that's, you know, how are they going to serve people and the world with that gift is really what I specialize in. Um, there isn't a single human on the planet who hasn't experienced trauma and trauma is on a scale. So, you know, on a spectrum. So it's anything from when we were kids, maybe mom and dad didn't say I love you a lot or they didn't, you know, there was no like physical touch, love, that kind of stuff, like consensual we're talking about, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which can be anything from physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. So every single one of us experienced something on that spectrum and um, it created a lot of, um, I guess, like voids in a lot of us and uncertainty and it manifests into stuff in our in our adulthood so yeah I believe that there's a huge gap 
right now in the human race and in, in, in the world and that more of us are starting to step it up, more healers are starting to step it up to help fill that gap and to have people really understand that they're whole and complete and lovable just the way they are and how to release a lot of those stories and transform their lives. So yes, that is the coaching I do. That's, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it is deeply connected to me and my journey. So to answer yeah. your second question, how did I get here? And um, if there's people who are listening to this and who follow me, they might have read the article I posted on LinkedIn um, in 2000, I guess it was 18 maybe, um, about my own trauma. So between the ages of six weeks old up until I was about 20, a lot of things were happening in my life that at the time I thought were quite normal. And turns out it was, uh, I was experiencing quite a bit of trauma on, on the spectrum. Um, from my mom and my dad had a business growing up and at six weeks old, my mom decided she would go back to work and I was raised by another woman and her family um, as early as six weeks old up until I was about 10. I didn't really have a connection with my mom. Um, and while, you know, my mom did her best and she thought that would be okay. And, and yes, I was okay. Not having that, you know, um, not having that safety and that connection and that intimacy with my mom contributed to a lot of stuff in my adulthood <laughs> and feeling like, you know, um, I don't matter. I had some severe abandonment issues, la di da da so as young as, as, you know, under the age of 10, that was quite traumatic, according to what I learned when I was in my early 30s. And then from there, other stuff was showing up as well. My parents had a very chaotic and dysfunctional relationship. I witnessed, you know, some physical abuse, verbal abuse. Um, and I experienced what I thought was love as very like love is passion and love is fire and mom might leave the house and dad gets mad. So that was showing up a lot in my relationships as an adult. Um, and some other things that had happened when I was a kid, like my, my father, uh, who I estranged myself from, called me when I was 18 and said that he had two more months to live. And uh, that was, he was diagnosed with cancer. And by the time he was diagnosed, he was stage four. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot. And, and what ended up happening was when my dad was in a hospice um, two months later, for some reason, he was sticking around. And if you know anything about um, death and dying, which is some stuff that I actually studied in anthropology in university, when someone is in a hospice and they seem to be holding on, it's typically because there's some unresolved issues or something that is left unsaid and people will hold on so the hospice had called me and said you know we hear that you and your dad don't really have a great relationship we think there's something here would you be interested or would you do him like something really loving and um would you come in and talk to him and so i did and that day my father took his last two breaths and died so all of these things plus all mix mash of other stuff was happening in my life and contributed to a lot of where I ended up as an adult feeling very insecure feeling very misunderstood not saying what I ever wanted to say I was the people pleaser of the century I will do and say whatever I think you want to hear to be perceived as something um yeah and just like in and out of careers that were what I thought I was supposed to do but what other people saw for me not what I truly wanted to do 
And yeah, so my, I believe that my assignment in the world and why I was born is to help people work through their trauma now like I have and to turn their world into something that really matters for them and to relieve their pain. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure people can resonate to different elements of it. Maybe not obviously exact, but I think some of the things that you've experienced, perhaps some people may have as well, but again, they might not have realized you know, that they were experiencing trauma, as you mentioned, or are currently experiencing trauma. And the one thing that stood out to me at the beginning is you said there's a spectrum. So I think a lot of people associate trauma with some really dramatic event in their life, which is Mm -hmm. a form, but there's also other things that can contribute to trauma throughout your life that you may not have realized are impacting how you're living your life today, which I never really, I guess, thought of in that regard until I had met you. So that's a really interesting Mm. point to bring up, I think. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's why I bring that up. I love to mention the spectrum. Yeah. Because as soon as I trauma people go to a place of oh no 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 no, not me because you know my parents weren't ever physical or emotionally um, abusive towards me and I say ah yes but (laughs) did mom and dad hug you did they say they loved you were they around you know was mom maybe working crazy hours was dad working crazy hours Um, and both your parents as well all of our parents brought their own traumas into the relationship interesting yes in every circumstance. Mm-hmm. Now, is there other, um, when we're looking at the spectrum and we're thinking about mm-hmm. childhood trauma, are there other sources of trauma that might be, you know, on that, that lower end of the scale, I don't know how else to word it, um, that might not be yeah. related to necessarily our parents and how they treat us? Mm-hmm. Is there, like, is there any other common, I guess, experiences that you see within your practice? When working with clients, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's interesting because the way that this is my opinion, and it's not right or wrong, but I believe that when we're young and things happen to us, let's say in school, or let's say as a young teenager, I'm impacted by stuff a lot on social media, and people are like, "That's very traumatic." Oh my goodness, this person's experiencing a lot of trauma. I believe it stems from what you were taught and the beliefs you were taught in your home by your parents. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like my, I believe, and based on all the research I've done and the pattern matching that I've done is that everything does start in your family and the way they talk to you and raise you. Cause not everybody experiences the same things like bullying, for instance, I didn't experience bullying. And I have a lot of compassion for kids who do. And there's something really like that I take very seriously there. But I also have looked at why are certain kids targeted and why are certain kids susceptible to bullying? And when I work with those families and I look back at the way they were raised and their beliefs and the way that their parents talk to them or their parents' victim mentality or whatever that is, they're all coded a certain way by their family and then become more susceptible to bullying. 
So your question to me was on the spectrum, on the lower end, like, is it always your parents? And my belief is yes. It's because we're born as a blank slate and then you're conditioned a certain way and then the world will start to show up around you because of the way that you were conditioned. So it's not the bullying that's the issue. It's the way you were conditioned that you become susceptible to bullying. That's so interesting. And maybe, I don't know if this would make sense, but the same type of thing could perhaps happen to two different people, but how it might impact them later on in life may be different. Is that accurate to say? Like, even if it's like a comment, like some girl says something mean to one person and the exact same mean comment was said to another person and how I guess they take that and how that could maybe even be a source of trauma later on in life. Totally. So you'll also see what I've researched in my research and what I've matched is that there are certain periods of time in our lives where we'll, something will happen, will make it mean something. So there's usually something around the age of eight and something, you know, around 14, 15, 16, and then something again between 21, 22, 23. So, yeah, and this has shown up a lot in my research. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and those will be traumatic events that are related to the way we were conditioned as children. Okay. Uh-huh. So, but you and I, Nicole, like, we, we could have gone to the same school. Right. And we could have had, you know, access to one person who was known in the schoolyard as, as the bully. And that person could have said one thing to me and said the exact same, to you, same thing to you, but we related to it a little bit differently. And it would have gone back to the way that we were taught. Like one of our parents might've taught us boundaries. The other might not have. One parent might've said, you always stick up for yourself. The other might've said, be careful. Don't, don't say too much. Or like, maybe this person's right. Like, you know, so to answer your other question, yeah, it's, I believe it is really based on language and the way that our parents um, spoke to us and how they talked to our value. Mm -hmm. Wow, that yeah. is a lot to <laughs> unpack. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Coaching with Catherine. Yeah. Like I do, two hour, I do two two-hour sessions a day. So I only work with about... 12 to 15 clients at a time and I spread them out. So sometimes we'll be taking gap weeks. Um, but I, I meet with two people a day between an hour and a half to two hours each person. Yeah. And it gets, it's a lot. And so, and you and I met because we both share a coach now, yes. which is really cool. And I know I am very, um, intentional about surrounding myself with coaches who can help me um, manage this energy, get this energy out, you know, like, cause there's a lot going on in this space. <laughs> yeah. and it's pretty deep. <laughs> and people who meet me, they're like, holy yeah. shit, can we just talk about the weather? Yeah. Can we just talk about some like, <laughs> I'm like, well, if we dissect the weather right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. That was actually something I was going to ask you because you are dealing with some pretty intense stories and emotions that people are sharing with you. How do you protect your own energy like physical and spiritual and mental and all of that mm -hmm. um so today I have people I work with who help me okay but for the long like so for instance our coach that we yes. share is somebody that has been such a lifesaver for me I mean even little things like we need you to go and take a shower with some candles 
I before wouldn't have like taken that so seriously, but that's definitely something that helps to release some energy. Um, I sleep a lot. I sleep about 10 hours or 11 hours a night. And I've been doing that since I was born. So who I am today and who, yeah, I believe that all, like this is part of my assignment. So when I was a little girl, quick, funny story, my family now like is kind of like, whoa, this is crazy shit. When I was, you know, playing outside in the summer with my neighbors, we were all having fun on the nose around 7.30 at night, I would come and say, mommy, bedtime. And my mom would be like, dude, go play with your friends. Like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. We weren't even asking you to come in and go to bed. But I would be tired and I would need to rest. And I knew this. And I'd literally turn to my friends and be like, see ya. And they're like, oh my God, why are you voluntarily going to bed? Don't you want to play? <laughs> so there was stuff going on with me when I was a kid that no one could explain. And it was out of character for children. Um, so yeah, this is, this is all like coming out now that I'm really intentional looking back at my story. Mm-hmm. Oh. So... Yeah. But yeah, so your question was, how, what do I do with all of this energy and how do I protect myself? Um, I do, so I space out my meetings. I only have two a week, two a day. Um, before I jump onto a session with someone, I do make sure that I have a half an hour just to decompress. Um, I have learned and been trained how to not take other people's energy on. So that is, that's a thing. Um, as an empath, I would take a lot of people's energy on. So I was taught how to protect myself. And, you know, it's interesting because I've met thousands of people now. So I was a recruiter for a long time and met tons and tons of people when I was helping companies hire. And then I was a um, head of talent myself. So I was doing a lot of hiring then. So I have crossed paths with more people than most people have. Even coaches are like, I've never met as many people as you have. And a lot of this stuff is the same. And I don't want to, I don't want that to like diminish what people are going through, but I see a lot of the same stuff and I'm sure psychologists feel the same way. So you, what someone thinks is really traumatic and they get dramatic about, we don't as much. Mm-hmm. So I was saying to you, when we started this call today, I've witnessed a few car crashes this week. Yes. And one time I was actually with a friend and she freaked out. She was like, oh my God, this is crazy. It was serious. It was um, a pickup truck T-boned a Fiat. And if you know what a Fiat is, it's quite small. Right. <laughs> and that Fiat rolled over and it was like, it was bang on impact. And I knew that everything was going to be okay. My friend didn't because people who are still living a little bit in like the unconscious state, it's all about drama and victimization and like, Oh my God, the world is ending and all this kind of stuff. I don't have that mentality. So I'm able to be with people when they're a little bit dramatic about stuff, not diminishing what's happening to them. I know that this is a big deal, but I don't make it such a big deal. Okay. If that makes any sense, because I've just been doing this long enough and I'm like, I got it. I know that those things happen. You're going to be great. And you're not the only one. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm able to like take it from a 10 to like a five for people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I can be a little dramatic sometimes. So I could probably use some of that in my life. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you're at a 12 right now. We need need to get down to like a four. (laughs) Story of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm able to like, I'm, I'm able to calm people down like really well. And, um, 
Yeah, I think that's really like, and, and the last thing is I, I take on clients that are, um, how do I say this? They vibrate on a different level, a different frequency. So I'm very intentional about energy. And if I, you know, if I think that this person's energy just doesn't, you know, match mine or mirror mine, I don't, I won't work with them. Yeah. I need people who are like open to coaching and like soft and gentle and that kind of stuff. So I'm very intentional with who I work with. Yeah. Now, was it always like that? Because I know from personal experience, yeah. When I first started my business, I would take on anyone and which was probably a detriment to myself because I would take on people (laughs) who weren't even ready to have to make changes with their health and wellness. So I could have given them like literally the most thought out detailed plan and held their hand through the whole thing. But like, mm-hmm. you could tell they just weren't ready for it. It just wasn't their time to do it. Not saying it never would have been, but yeah, like it's, it was hard. And I think it was our um, coach that we talk about was the one that was like, you need mm-hmm. to say no. And I was like, uh, but like money and business and like I want to say that I have these clients and it just wasn't productive in the end which do you have experience yeah you have experience with that too oh for heaven's sakes like my practice that I started a few years ago is nothing like what it looks like today yes and I was working with lots of people who I had you know out of fear of not making money said yes to and you know the answer is no and you learn a lot from those. And sometimes it works out in a way that, wow, this is really powerful. And maybe this was something I actually needed to, maybe this was somebody I need to take on. Because you also develop some really tough skin. Right. Right? Yeah. So, and resilience. But today, not a chance. No. I'm very, very intentional with the questions I ask. I have had people say, like, are you sure we can't work together? And I'm like, positive. <laughs> Like not happening. Yeah. Good for you. Not the right person for you. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that's, that's a whole mentality too to have. And I think a lot of it probably comes with like mentality around or mindset around money as well. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs when they're first starting out are in like a scarcity mindset. Like, ah, like I just need money. I'll yes. do whatever it takes, right? So the fact that you've yeah. gotten to that place where you can confidently say yes and no to the right people is fantastic but also mm-hmm. challenging <laughs> work work in progress i still yeah i'm our coach called me out yesterday yes oh yeah she She'll just, do that just came out with it. and i'm like all right listen <laughs> pal i'll go and i'll let go of this client oh no fine you're right this time uh-huh uh-huh. So yeah, my scarcity mindset still exists for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a it's work in progress. So uh-huh. <laughs> and how was that transition for you going from, you know, when you're working was it a talent agency? I was actually working in an advertising, advertising agency as a head of talent. Transitioning into entrepreneurship <laughs> because that is like a pretty big leap for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this um, saying, uh, rejection is God's protection. I just read that really recently, (laughs) which was kind of creeping me out. (laughs) Rejection is God's protection. So I was let go in May of 2018. 
after 12 weeks. So, and this was um, an ad agency that brought me in as a head of talent. They never had anybody do this before for them. They're an amazing agency. They've been around in Canada for like 25 years, very well known and looking to sustain another, you know, 10, 15 years. So they thought bringing in someone who can work with the people is probably something they want to do. Now, based on what you've learned about me, I'm a little bit different. <laughs> I don't follow the book. In fact, I burn the policy books in HR. I'm like, no more policy books. All this is doing is preventing you from talking right. <laughs> to your people. So I was let go. And it was a very, uh, it was a huge moment for me because I was working with a coach at the time. And I remember calling him as I walked out of this building and I had my like brown envelope and I'm like, holy shit, I'm usually the one letting people go. I've just been fired. And I'm walking down the street and I called him and I was like, Hey, this is, ha this is what happened. And he's like, great. Now what? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go home and like let this like decompress. And he's like, no, now what? And I said, all right, this is it. I'm never going back. And he said, amazing then that means that we're going to meet for four hours a week and I'm going to get you on a very rigid routine. And I, he put me on this morning routine of journaling, visualization, meditation. I was in this creative process. That's what he called it. And I was going and finding places in and around Toronto to dream and imagine and create. I had a little bit of runway in terms of my finances. And really what it was, was I just, I just knew in my instincts, I knew in my gut that I could never go back. And I knew that it was going to be freaking scary. And I knew that I was probably going to put myself a little bit of debt to do it. But that voice, those voices were like, you got to go do this. So I definitely had support. Like I had a coach um, and I had a, like a, 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 I guess, routine that I was following. Um, but it was just like the time. It was like it. <laughs> like... When you're doing what you call God's work and you get fired for that, you're like, okay, you need to stop going in people's companies. You need to go do this on your own. Yes. <laughs> so yes, that was the transition. And I never looked back and I made that decision. I was like, you're never going back. Yeah. Like, this is it. You have a responsibility to teach what you know and you're totally capable. But I do suggest people getting coaches when this stuff's happening. It can get very lonely. Yeah. There's a couple things I wanted to talk about that you just mentioned. One of them was aspect of a coach because I didn't realize that you had one as you're going through this transi transition um, I was thinking in terms of present day but one can you talk about your experience of having a coach going through that transition before you were actually a coach but also still having one as a coach because I think that's important to note too mm -hmm. I've had a few people say like a good coach also has a coach so if you can touch on those two kind of periods of time yeah. and how, how that's worked for you in terms of like your life and your business. Mm -hmm. So two parts to that question. So the first question or first comment was I had a coach when I was let go. So I felt I was feeling a lot of resistance inside of my body when I was working in these companies for a few years. And the only, and at the time I had gone through a ton of personal development work as well. So for anybody listening who knows what Landmark is, I had put myself through the Landmark education for like a year and a half, which is next level personal development work. It's a global company. It's totally on like another level. 
Um, and it really helped me unlock a lot. And in that program, I actually became a coach. They, I went through a, a, a coaching program, a training. Um, so through that, I was just like, you know what? I really feel like coaching is the future. And so when I was feeling a lot of resistance internally in my body and I was experiencing a lot of it in the company that I was working in, I hired this person. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We actually went on a date, him and I, and then we decided to turn the date into like, would you want to be my coach? Oh my gosh. Is what I said to him. Stop. <laughs> oh no, you did I did. And he was like, okay. That's amazing. So my date became my coach. <laughs> And, um, it was such a, like, it, it, yeah, it just really, really helped. And then from there I became a coach. Right. So while him and I were practicing together and I was his client, I was like, wait a second, why am I not doing this? And I remember him saying the same thing. Like, I think you're going to surpass me. In fact, I think you don't realize how powerful you are and you have all the coaching qualities. And the coaching qualities to me are one, are you somebody who tends to coach your friends and your family and the people around you? Are you that person that people come to where you give a non-biased but you opinion, but you also like you'll tell the truth to? Are you that person and that where people can really receive that? And two, are you into personal development yourself? I believe that coaches a hundred percent need to be into healing their own trauma constantly and working towards being the best version of themselves, which you can't do on your own or through reading a book yeah. because you can't see half the stuff that you can't see. You don't know what you don't know that you don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had all these qualities that we had identified my first coach and I, um, and then your second question or your second comment is coaches having coaches. Yeah. It is like, non-negotiable for me in my life that I have coaches. I have two right now. I work with two coaches. Okay. Uh-huh. Offering different services. Yeah. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. And I believe that like when, so for your audience, if you're looking for a coach, one of the things that I say when you're interviewing your coach is ask them about their coaches. Find out how much they really believe in their work. Because yeah. if they believe in their work, they're going to have a coach. Right. If they're doing it for the right reasons, that's my opinion. Okay. That's interesting. Because uh -huh. practice what you preach. When I did the mastermind um, with Jackie, I signed up and I literally had no idea what was going on. I was like, I thought she was, yeah, literally didn't even like know what a coach was. It's fine. I thought she was a business coach, like solely. Like I was just in it for like help with my business. I was like, I like a business mm -hmm. mentor is essentially what I thought that's what a coach meant, which it is to some extent, but then uh, found out pretty quickly that <laughs> there's a lot more to Sorry. it than talking about sales and marketing and target audiences mm -hmm. and creating programs. So I found that interesting from my personal experience that, you know, mm -hmm. you might just sign up thinking that you have to address issue X, Y, Z, or just one issue. And typically when you start talking to them, you realize there's a lot of other stuff <laughs> that you need to deal with in order to achieve what you might've actually contacted them for or about. Totally. Yep. Yeah, it can be very confronting for people. 
but they're like, I thought you were going to tell me how to cold call. And you're like, no, we're going to talk about what's your fear around cold calling and where did that start when you were a kid? And people are like, shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not that you don't know how to cold call. It's that something happened when you were a kid and you felt like you were never heard or you were misunderstood or you were afraid of rejection. That's what we want to look at. Oh my gosh. Just casual. <laughs> yeah. It's so casual. So I don't know how to call. I'm throwing the bucket people. Let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. What was what was it like with mom and dad at the dinner table? What did they talk about? <laughs> I find it really frustrating when setting up Facebook ads. Let's talk about your childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's you it. You could probably honestly figure out something for that too. <laughs> I know. This is why I sleep eleven hours at night. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like I was also that kid. Maybe not for the same reasons. That was like, it's bedtime. Mm. I was like, I need to, like, this girl, I'm going to be grumpy in the morning if I am not in bed, like, soon. My mom would be like, you can stay up and watch the rest of the show with me. I was like, I'm good. No. I'll just catch it in mm. the rerun later. <laughs> Kids know way more than adults give them credit for. Yeah. We discount children a lot. And we say things like, what do they know? They're just children. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that children know more than adults. Yes. And they're closer to themselves at that age. And what's happening is mom and dad have some undealt with stuff that gets triggered around their kids. Okay. But, and then, you know, mom and dad might not feel like they're great mom and dads. So, cause they've got some story around, I'm not a great mom or a great dad. And so you've got your kids who have different opinions or are, are questioning things or challenging things. And that really can be really triggering for parents. So that's where, what do you know your kid comes from? Or you're going to listen to me because I'm the boss. Uh, not every parent says classic. that. But that <laughs> comes from, yeah. So there's a lot of like, you know, undone stuff that parents bring into relationship with their children but I not to get off topic no. but I believe that children are meant to be listened to yeah and what they have to say and how they're feeling is so close to the truth that and like adults have gotten way far away from that truth mm-hmm. yeah so when you and I are like I got to go to bed like for our parents to honor that was really important yes mm-hmm. I mean yeah because that's the truth most parents are probably just like oh okay <laughs> yeah I don't have to struggle to get you to go to sleep they like pretend to wrestle you you're like wait I'm already in bed you go to your room I'm already there (laughs) I brushed my teeth by myself don't have to ask me twice sleep for the last hour so funny oh my god there would have been such a great meme about you yeah great memes about us i remember like even falling asleep we used to live in like the middle of nowhere and for new year's eve like a few family friends and their families would come to our house and we'd like oh um snowmobiling and ice skating and all this stuff and i thought would just tucker me right out and i was like like some like the one girl's like literally still one of my best friends it's hilarious and like you think I'd want to stay up till midnight and do all no I was full on just like I'm just gonna go to sleep (laughs) yeah it's fine and I'm still known as the grandma like I need to go to bed at a decent hour Mm -hmm. which I'm Mm -hmm. late or at least 
if I go to bed I need to sleep (laughs) yeah no no, I can really relate you and I recharge like through sleep 100% most people do but I really rely on it and I do a lot of my best work while I'm asleep I solve everything yeah interesting I feel like for me it's Uh like going for walks or runs Mm. so when I'm like moving is when I typically figure things out I find yeah 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 and knowing what your um knowing what that is for you is really important so you you know people have probably said to you like you should just go to bed and you're like well listen I actually I solve a lot of my things when I'm running moving Uh uh-huh so for me you know people say you should go to yoga and I'm like nah dude I just gotta go home and go to bed that's my thing Mm-hmm. And so really like being intentional and intuitive about that everyone's different. yeah and with clients do you also notice that because I feel like with and even just like in the health and wellness industry in my case a lot of people again they say things like oh do meditation do yoga do I, there's probably a million other things I can't think of but that will help you solve your issues or get clarity which it could be true but it also might not be right maybe it is you just need to go to bed early Mm -hmm. yeah and I do have clients who are like you know desperately trying to to get a meditation routine going and are really hard on themselves when they can't get into it and I'm like look dude I have I'm picking up this is an example of something happened recently I'm picking up that you just need to go and get fucking angry like you need you're a woman who has a fear that you're not allowed to get angry. Okay. So I want you to go into your bedroom, grab your pillow and have an adult temper tantrum. And I want you to scream into that pillow. Meditation ain't going to cut it right now. Yeah. And they're like, wow, that's so great. Thank you. Cause I'm reading that I got to meditate. And I'm like, if it's not working, forget it. Yeah. yeah. It's for a reason. Yes. So I will direct people to where I think they need that would help them release but I also say and if this ain't it don't people please me yes <laughs> let's think of something else yeah For sure. yeah you can get really caught up on like should do this should do that this is what they're saying now this is, and oh boy I do what instinctively or intuitively feels good for your body For sure I know that you did mention mm-hmm. that when you were working with your first coach or I don't know if it was your first coach but when you were going through that transition you were doing was it meditation and manifestation and a lot of work around that that's something I feel like I've been learning more about I just read Gabby Bernstein's book Super Attractor which was like I really liked it because it was like easy for me to understand (laughs) as someone who doesn't under like who's new to this right some of the books I'm just like Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're saying and this is intimidating whereas she made it really like easy to kind of grasp the concepts but can you explain Mm -hmm like the ideas around manifesting Mm -hmm. something you're open to? I call like, I I think of your morning as your moneymaker. So we think of like your job as the moneymaker. It's your morning routine. That is the moneymaker. It's where you crawl inside your body and you look at like, what do I know? What am I seeing? What am I feeling? And how do I, how do I get that out into the real world and, and, tra- and you know, and, and translate that into something that's money-making. So I call the, the morning routine, the moneymaker and everybody's routine is a little bit different. So some people's routines, like an hour, some people it's like 20 minutes. I think one of the most important things personally, and this is just my opinion 
is that you get whatever you were dreaming about out onto paper. So we call that, we call that, um, oh my God, not unconscious, like, or just bring them. Let's use the word bring them. We need you to just like get out what that is. Because overnight, your brain is actually, your dreams are sending you signals. Everything that we see in our brain is visual. We don't see words. We see visuals. And your brain is sending you signals. It's sending you shapes. It's sending you um, messages in the form of like imagery. Mm. So there's something really important to get that out on paper and map out like, okay, well, what is it that I'm supposed to be seeing here? Um, but yeah, every morning routine is a little bit different. I also want people to like really go easy with themselves if they don't feel like doing the morning routine. Right. Like as much of it as it is moneymaker, people get really caught up in like, we have to be like structured and rigid and never drop off. And even if I'm like, you know, my kids need my attention, I'm going to still do the routine. We have to give ourselves some flexibility Absolutely. and forgiveness around morning routines. I actually haven't been doing one in a few months Okay. and I'm the one who preaches yeah. it. I just, I'm not called to do it right now. I wake up at 6am and I love to just shower and eat breakfast and listen to music. That's my routine right now. Uh-huh. And before that, I was listening to podcasts every morning. That was a big part of my routine. And it was the moneymaker, I'll tell you, because I was listening to these coaching podcasts and I was like, oh my God, I'm having so many breakthroughs right now. Like what is happening? Music is therapy. So there's tons of money-making breakthroughs for me in that, okay. you know? Yeah. So now what mm-hmm. would you suggest to someone who's looking to maybe start not, I won't say like a structured morning routine, but if there's someone that has no routine whatsoever and they are interested in maybe incorporating some of these elements, like where's a good place mm-hmm. to start? So everybody who starts working with me gets on a morning routine. Okay. Yeah. So it's something I suggest um, doing and we do a 30 day, what we call a 30 day mental health hygiene. I call it mental health hygiene. Yeah. And so wake up, pull out your journal and write anywhere from two to three pages or for about 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Okay? And ignore punctuation, ignore the way that your penmanship looks like none of that. And also it's okay to be aware that you're probably not writing the truth because you're afraid someone's going to read it. Okay. So that'll change over time. Interesting. Most of the time we don't write the truth because we are afraid someone's going to find it. Yes. So everybody goes through it and week three is where people really start to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. We still direct our journaling. Yep. I would have never thought of that. Oh yeah. We're editing. So 20 to 30 minutes or two or three pages of, of, um, just writing. And then I say, move over to, um, uh, move over to affirmations. Okay. So all my clients read affirmations that I write for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So based on our first discovery call, I write affirmations. So I listen to what I think they need to hear. And then I have them read those every morning, um, in front of the mirror or pacing their house, whatever that is, but it has to be out loud. That's lovely. And then Oh, yeah, it's really great. My coach did that for me, one of my first coaches. And then from there, you move to meditation. So I recommend using Headspace app or Calm, whatever you're called to. And really like five minutes. Like I don't, I don't encourage you to, you can do whatever you want, but five minutes is usually, I think what they do on Headspace in the beginning, maybe even less. 
and then move into, um, it, depending on who the person is, I might have them do visualization or read a book. Okay. So depending on how far along they are in their conscious journey, visualization can be very hard. Interesting. And people are really hard on themselves for not being able to visualize. So I might say, and then just take 10 minutes and read a book. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. Can you? And that's the morning routine I get people on. Can you explain what vis- visualization is for people who don't really understand that concept? Definitely. So visualization is something that's really prominent in the sports space. And yeah, so athletes use a lot of visualization. Uh-huh. So they visualize being on the podium. They visualize scoring that winning goal. So they visualize what's happening in the future and they're you have like a bodily reaction to it and it starts to imprint on your brain like your brain cannot differentiate between what's real and what's not. It believes this is happening. So then your body starts to prepare you for that result. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's visualization. Mm -hmm. And it's, it can be very advanced visualization. So I'm, I'm a very advanced visualizer um, because I've been doing it for so many years, but yeah, in the beginning it was really weird for me too. I'm like, all right, so I'm picturing myself on a stage being a performer. And you always want to be able to, you're always looking, um, when you visualize, you're actually visualizing from your eyes looking out, okay. not the audience looking in. Oh. So you are visualizing, uh-huh. so you're visualizing the net and the puck going in. Uh-huh. You're not like visualizing like you on the ice. Like you can't see you and, and the stick. You can see the puck going into the net. That is really interesting because I feel like I actually did that growing up when I played hockey. <laughs> like that specific example. Like yeah. without even intentionally, like I wasn't being intentional about it. I think that's just mm-hmm. what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sports, when you compare it to sports, like that helped me understand kind of what you meant. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. So if someone's looking to visualize maybe something with their career, their business, they have to like visualize mm-hmm. themselves, like, I guess, again, looking out, like in a specific mm-hmm space doing something like a specific activity okay that's it so for instance my mission is to speak on stages across the world and up level global consciousness right cool so i've been visualizing being on planes like going to those destinations I've been visualizing showing up in certain countries where I want to speak and like seeing like, welcome to Geneva. Like I'm visualizing those things. And so I'm creating this world in the future that like, I already feel like I'm in, like it's happening. I'm visualizing being on a stage and I'm picturing the people in the audience already. I'm picturing like all those things. So depending on what you're trying to achieve, yeah, you go to the, the end result and you picture it and you think about what would it feel like? What would it smell like? What would it taste like? Because that's how we receive information is through the five senses. Right. So I'll have my clients visualize, like, what does the auditorium smell like? What does the clothes on your body feel like? Because speakers wear very specific clothing. Right. You know, you want to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, what does the air smell like? Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So how would that differ, I guess, from like a vision board? Because that's something I feel like I was same thing yeah and then just being intentional when you look at it because I think it's one thing to like make one and have it somewhere off in the corner in your like room or office versus actually like taking the time to like 
look at it and then probably do the visualization, right? Yeah. Yeah. To your point, I think some people make vision boards. They don't look at them. Yeah. They think that, that the task is just making it. Right. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to look at it every day and sit with it and be with it and take it in and really imagine yourself like in that final moment and all the senses that are being triggered. Okay. Yeah. Like if it's, if it's living on a boat, like maybe it's picturing the boat on the water and what it would feel like to be rocking in that boat, you know, when you sleep at night. And like really getting intentional with that kind of stuff. How's it going to feel? Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I, How you manifest? Yeah. <laughs> I've been interested in learning more about it. So that helps me understand it a little bit better. Because you mm-hmm. can like, I think sometimes when you read books, not necessarily about manifestation, but where they're speaking to it and you're like, they, may, they kind of almost overcomplicate it. Yeah. Same with like just wellness and morning routines and all that. It's all the same. Like some people just tend to overcomplicate the whole process and you have to do what works for you. And that's, that's even the same with like healthy eating. Like I tell clients, Mm. you don't have to like never drink coffee again and like only drink water for the rest of your life and never enjoy a slice of pizza again and restrict only eat spinach and kale Mm-hmm. it's like no. what kind of life is that no <laughs> or like if no. you do want to eat healthy because that makes you feel good but you like decide that you want to have pizza one night then whatever you don't have to stick to like a strict routine it's not gonna like ruin things for you just as i'm sure if you don't visualize yeah. one day it's not like <laughs> the end of the world the end of the world's not it's never happening yeah in your space i think it's in really important that you um that you are look like when you work with your clients like we always kind of want people who come to us to do the opposite of what they've been doing so if you have a client who's been really restrictive yes you want to introduce non-restriction to them if you have a client who's never restricted you kind of want to be like okay what would it look like if we had some days where we had this and some days we didn't have pizza so yeah and i find that anything that is restrictive so for instance when i went out on my own my first thought was, oh, I can't do anything ever again anymore because I won't have money. And that just is an awful life to live. Right. So my coach was very intentional with saying, I don't want you to really change your life that much. And it was such a blessing that he gave me that freedom. And he said, look, like if you go out for dinner, just don't get the whole bottle of wine. What if you got a glass? And I thought, oh, isn't that so brilliant? <laughs> this is, it was so changing. <laughs> I'll just give me glass. I'll just have one glass. I can still have it. Oh, yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we want to give people the freedom to still live. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. I know that you are a special soul, but, and you probably have been experiencing things over your life, but I guess in more like recent years, how has, you know, opening up to spirituality helped? you and helped you in your practice even I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before um, we actually started the podcast but uh, and working with a coach who opens you up to those things mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're willing to speak about that yeah how has spirituality changed my practice um, or even just like your own like life like how has it impacted you as like a human right. or a business owner whatever speaks to you Okay. 
Well, I guess like the first thing that just popped in my mind was I, my whole calendar is focused on me first and healing myself and doing what fills my cup. And then I put my business in my calendar second. So yeah, development and growth is the most important thing in my mind that we will do every day. So spirituality is more important to me than business. Okay. Uh-huh. Just to like put it on the scale for you. <laughs> yeah. So I won't compromise myself in the terms of like, in, in terms of just like having boundaries, keeping, you know, being really intentional with who I spend my time with. I'm a big believer in energy. Yes. So each of us is omitting some sort of energy and we're all taking it on and we're exchanging it. And I'm very careful about who I spend my time with um, and what their energy is and if it mirrors mine and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so spirituality for me has been like, there's like physical practice, like meditation and journaling and um, visualization, visualization and that kind of stuff. But it's also thinking about, um, you know, what's outside of this world. <laughs> What goes on outside of what we can see yes. and feel? Um, the energy pulls in the universe. You know, I don't know. Like everyone has a higher self or a higher being that they might believe in. I don't really know what mine looks like, but I really do feel like there's something there that's protecting me and has my back. And I talk about that a lot in my practice. And um, for some people, it's a God. and It looks really different for everybody. But for me, spirituality has really helped to level me out and to just be really present and be and take responsibility for myself and not play victim anymore be okay with being my thoughts being okay with being alone mm -hmm. yeah and that's how I that's what I teach in my practice too how to do all those things yeah and mm -hmm. it's just important that element you talked about like spirituality is more important than like the business oh, yeah. but I think oh yeah it's like when I first started getting what I thought was business mentorship in quotations <laughs> was understanding that like there's actually a lot of stuff that I had to do personally in order for that business to even run right so for you mm -hmm. you know like you recognize that that spirituality is first and foremost and then you can apply that to your business and also mm -hmm. help clients experience that and learn from it as well, which is really amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We do a lot of calendar reworking when we first start working together. We back out people's calendars and we look at, um, put you in first, we drop them in first, which there's a ton of guilt around that. A lot of shame, a lot of discomfort, anger. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to be kidding me right now. You're telling me that I need to put sleep in here. Yeah, I want you to put eight hours. Yes. You're telling me I need to put eating, uh-huh. Working out, uh-huh. Doing going and doing something that feels good, uh-huh. And then put my business in. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's life changing for people. It's almost giving them permission, is what I do. Yeah. To put themselves first. Yeah. And that kind of reminded me of your one post. I actually wrote it down because it really resonated with me. It was there was one that said and you might have actually wrote another post about this, but there was the one that said, work is good. It's busy. That idea that we, you know, have to be busy. But I think I want to even go off of that and say that, you know, as a society, we feel obligated or we feel like we have to be busy all the time. And if we're not, then 
we're just being selfish and then we feel guilty. And that is something that I've hugely struggled with personally, because I grew up with family that they're the industry they're in there are working an insane amount of hours. So I'm not in that industry yet. I still think that I have to, I always joke with people. I still think I have to wake up and like go check the rain gauge, see how much it rained. And if the crops like (laughs) need tending to like, as if I ever did that anyways. Mm. So how do you work with clients? I mean, that just kind of goes off of what you're saying, right? Like making them understand they don't have to feel guilty for sleeping, eating. That's it. Yeah. And I'm, so the biggest thing is I, I'm an example of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like you think about parenting, like the best parents are the ones who do what they say they're going to do and have again and model that for their children. I do what I say, what I ask people to do. Yeah. And people come to me because they want the life I have. Yeah. So I'm like, well, here's the formula. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. So I practice what I preach and um, busy is a word I haven't used in years. I forgot about the word, but I hear it often with my clients. And very shortly after we start working together, they eliminate that word from their vocabulary. Yes. I've been trying not to yeah. say it. Um, I feel like sometimes the default when you're having that like awkward small talk with someone, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, totally. How are you doing? Good. Busy. How's it going? Oh, good. How's the business? Good. And you're like, yeah, keeping busy. <laughs> like, what am I saying? I'm literally just saying random words. Like that's all it is. Well, there's also some fear of boasting. Yeah, I also. So we have a fear of hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not like. Or what feels like. That's it. like my. I'm not this person. I was like, it's amazing. I am kill. Like I. That's not my personality. I'm just like, good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right. So you're having profound impact on people's lives. Yes. You're changing their lives, and you can say something along the lines of, "It's been really great. It's been up and down because it has yeah. been." And I've had a couple of clients who've had some really great weeks and um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing the work kind of thing. Like that's what I say. Yeah. And so say, and I'm I busy. say we, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I say we, because it is really like you're walking, you're walking along a path with your clients. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be just about you. In fact, when it becomes about everybody else, it's pretty powerful. Absolutely. And if you can say that, like we're doing really great work right now, yes. my clients and I what i love how you frame that i am yeah yeah now i'm like thinking my wheels are spinning because i'm like thinking about how i talk to people and probably like i'm not like consciously like going out and trying to be like i'm busy (laughs) but it's just it's i think it's just one of those things that we all say um and we're we're conditioned to just think that that's a good like it's a good thing like, I'm busy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and you're like, totally. yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm absolutely doesn't mean that you're doing well. Just no, <laughs> actually, it's a huge red flag. <laughs> it's a massive red flag for the most part um, for some people. But mm-hmm. so more to come. I'm actually I got a lot of comments on that post. And I'm going to be doing a lot more sharing on how um, what, what you can say instead. Yeah. what you can say instead. For sure. I highly recommend that people check out your Instagram account because you have like truth bombs like every day. Like you're just, I'm like, what? What's gonna come out today? It's not like a fluffy post being like, hope everyone has a great day. It's like, let's just dive right in. Let's make you reevaluate everything from the moment you were born 
up until yes. present day. When you're an infant, you don't have any recollection of what happened. Let's go there. <laughs> Let's go. Let's there. go there. You do remember. Yeah. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, but don't worry. <laughs> I'm grateful. I listen. It's uh, it's really important to me. I I believe that my like I'm here on this earth to to tell the truth so other people can. For sure. I love that. Um, before we end today, is there anything that you want to share? Anything that you have going on? Anything that you want to put in the universe? <laughs> well, I was telling you before we started, which I don't think we had recorded that no. I'm being called to leave my home that I've lived in for 12 years, uh, which is pretty astounding when you think about it. Most people don't live in the same place for that long. Um, I found out it's been my safety net. So it, uh, yeah, someone held the mirror up for me and I was like, damn it. (laughs) They figured figured me out. So I am being called to other places in the world. And I've been thinking about this for a while where there's rock and there's different like people working with energy and talking about healing and all the things that I'm talking about right now. So I'm pointing out to the universe that I'm going to be leaving to move to Sedona, which is in Arizona, um, in February. I haven't even told my parents this yet. Um, and so don't worry, this won't this won't, won't come out until out the New Year, so you're safe. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna. I will. I will have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm listening to my instincts, and I'm gonna leave for a few months and yeah just put myself in a place that I believe is gonna feel really good and and energize me in a different way and inspire me in a different way because you know you got one shot at this so why not do it the way you want to do it um and I'm also looking into studying to be a shaman now so that's uh something I really haven't talked to many people about you asked so here we go and I'm a truth bomb gal (laughs) gotta end this podcast go shamanism (laughs) peace Oh, amazing. I will make sure that I link to um, your socials and whatnot so that people can find you and soak up all your amazing wisdom because every day you just don't know what you're going to (laughs) get. There's a hamster on that wheel and he is firing in all slow. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be on my podcast. I'm so grateful that I met you, but seems like so long ago, but really honestly, probably wasn't like what, like four or five weeks. Like it feels like I've known you for so much long. I don't know. It's really, it's really bizarre, but I'm very grateful Mm -hmm. that I met you and that you spoke to my audience today and so much great information came out of it. So I appreciate it. You're the best, Nicole. I adore you. I think our souls knew each other in a different lifetime. And I think the work you're doing is really important. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you could take the time to leave a positive review, that would be greatly appreciated. But before you sign off, I want to ask if you'd ever want to make serious changes to your health and wellness, but felt overwhelmed or confused. Let's stop this overwhelm and make healthy eating, cooking, and living easier and more fun. Head over to simplymakenutrition.com and go to the freebies page to get started on your wellness journey. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope this episode provided value and that you are inspired to live a healthier, happier, and more balanced life.